podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is going to be a new thing we're doing on a view from the bridge where we're all kind of shut down at the minute. It's called One on One and our very first guest on One on One is someone who's been doing the podcast with us for years but has been in the hockey community in Northern Ireland from he was a wee boy. It's Simon Kitchen. Good afternoon. They feel a wee bit different but uh, um, we're all cocooned at our own houses and, and uh, it certainly helps to pass the time so we'll have a bit of crack I'm sure. Listen, I suppose ho- hockey didn't really come to us in Dundonald. We're both Dundonald boys, and, and you know you grew up in Ballybean there, and, and the ice bowl came along, and it was late '86, wasn't it? Yeah, September '86 so, opened, yeah. So, um, and I, I mean, you, you talk about not coming, you know, easy to us. I remember that when the ice bowl first opened, and my mum and dad, um, we would pass it a couple of times, but we didn't have a car at the time, so my brother picked us up. We were going to his house. Uh, and the queue was out the door and down to the car park, round the back of the building. You, you couldn't get into the place, and it was it was absolutely unbelievable. And and uh, I still vividly remember those days. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it just taking back to the nineteen eighty six. But before we even get as far as the ice bowl, like and, and something that we'll come on to, another love in your life has to be in football. Like you'd have grew up like the rest of us. You were probably just a football daft kid living down the valley. Yeah, I played by uh, the BB, or the third BB, sorry. Um, Mr. Shooter's there just at the Colross Drive in Ballybin Estate. And, and, you know, all of the guys I grew up with went to primary school. And um, and one of the things that from an early age, I was I was knocked down at, at the old Cherry Hill Inn uh, when I was 11. I had, for people who aren't that old and don't remember that much, it's literally right at the crossroads at Dundonald Village. Um and I was 11, we were at the, the, the library, and uh, P7 had just finished, and I come out of, um, I come out of, of the library, we were walking up uh, to go across the road uh, to get like Texaco garage, and I was hit by a car. Um, uh, apparently I landed in my head, so that's why, you know, I, I sort of get things mixed up and don't talk sensible at times, but um, I, I remember very little before I was 11, um and you know BB was one one of the things that did that kept on coming back to me and uh, and played for them going boys and and I mean we we didn't our my childhood was brilliant you talk about kids nowadays all you know mobile phones and and mobile devices I mean I'm sitting here with my iPad my iPhone and my laptop sitting there with a microphone in front of me so I mean times have certainly changed but uh, I think back to all those those days and early days I had a brilliant childhood three. Uh, great brothers, two sisters, mum and dad. That, that uh, um, I mean, we didn't have much, but uh, we certainly didn't want for anything. And and um, yeah, Ballybean was a brilliant place to grow up in. And then obviously, is driving past the ice bowl multiple times, seeing the big queues, and it whetted the appetite. Can you remember the first time you got in through the doors? I remember the first time I went to ice skating. Um, uh, it was funny enough. It wasn't in Dundonald. It was Irvine Ice Rink in Scotland, and we were away with the BB um, and the GB. First time that the BB and GB had met up. It was a great trip, by the way. Um, the yeah, uh, we went away to Irvine. I was twelve at the time, um, 
and uh, Irvine, uh, the Magnum Centre in Irvine, massive big ice rink at the time. Um, and I just thought this was absolutely brilliant. You know, we never had anything like this. And, and within months, maybe a year or so, the, the Donald Ice Bowl had opened. And, and as I say, the queues were, it, it wasn't really a skating rink back there. You could not move. You genuinely couldn't move. There was that many people on the ice. I mean, there was, I think there was something like 2,020 or 2,200 pairs of skates in skate hard at the time. And, and thinking back, there was guys that, maybe wore a size 6 and 7 that couldn't get them because they were sold out. And they were wearing size 9, 10 and 11 skates just to get on the ice. Um, it was absolutely insane. But, yeah, the, the, when the ice bowl opened, again, I, I didn't get anywhere near it for probably seven or eight months because it was that busy. Um, and the first time I went there, I just I, I absolutely loved it. It was brilliant. And, I mean, again, not many people on the ice. You didn't really get a chance to skate. Um, and when you did... The opportunity came along to to, to get a, a nice hockey stick and and uh, a puck and and there was certainly a lot more room on the ice at that stage. Can you remember your first um, sort of hockey session, if you want to call it that, where you had the stick, where you had the gear on, and you and you got out there and started playing? Yeah, it was. I mean, we Stevie Hamill, um, Stevie's wee boy Carter was just selected there for the the uh, Junior Olympics. Um, we did a, a piece on him for AVF TV a while ago on, on Belfast Giants TV, and Stevie was uh, I worked for Stevie's dad at the time in the on the ice cream vans. I was the best Pokemon in East Belfast, um, and um, it was Stevie's mum. I was standing. We were going. I'm pretty sure we were going swimming in our uh, swimming uh, pool, and we were standing on the main road there. And Stevie's mum seen me and said about the ice bowl and, and you should come up. And Julianne was skating at the time and. Um, and Stevie was, I mean, Stevie's probably seven or eight years younger than me as well, but they were all going skating and you should come up and try it. And I said, yeah, I'll give it a wee go. And, um, and eventually I did and, and went up and, and, and get on the ice with, uh, at that stage it was, um, the Lions, the Lagan Valley Lions, um, uh, Bob Archie Bald, um, you know, uh, Big Jacko's dad, uh, Bob Jackson, um, Joe McCulloch and the Davy Willison crew and we Gary McCaig and, and, um, I've got the gear on and, and and we ended up playing a couple of, of junior games. But I, I, I took it like a talk to water, to be honest. And um and after probably three or four, like when we're talking about games at this stage, you know, you're you're still skating about with a tracksuit on with shin pads under the, the tracksuit, um and a and a helmet on to you know, just to try and keep you some sort of safety. I know you're right. you're uh, mad about face cages and what have you, but I mean, even back then, you just wanted to get on, and you you wore anything, or you, you wore very little at that stage. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, remember back, I, Bob Bob Archie Paul, who, who still is a chance season ticket holder, and um, and congratulations to him in, in June. Actually, his daughter Jeannie just had a, a wee baby there, so congratulations to them. Um, but Bob was one of the main guys involved at that stage, and um, and. You know, thinking back, that uh, me, I was 13, 14, um, maybe 15 at the time. And I remember I had a white tracksuit. Um, and they took the piss out of me for years on that. And I mean, proper years. I used to sit outside. I was a wee shy boy. I still am shy. But I used to sit outside the dressing rooms, the changing rooms, and get ready there and then go on the ice. And, um, and eventually just picking up, you know, bits and pieces when we could afford it to 
to get equipment. And it's no different now. It's still a very expensive sport. And back then, you know, you're you're still trying to get the gear together to, um, you know, to just make sure you you don't get hurt when you're playing. Because I've said many many times, when you get up with that puck or you get up with a stick, it definitely did hurt. But uh, yeah, it was it was. It was definitely memories that you know, for forever live in the, in the head. So even though I've had a few concussions down the line. Before we go on any further with the, the, sort of the hockey and, and learning the game, you've often came back through podcasts and all that we've done together to Bob Archibald, and you've always had a very kind word. Just how big an influence was and And you've got the opportunity here again just to sort of, I guess, say thanks to Bob and, and the guys that brought you through that, that time. Absolutely, and and it wasn't just Bob. I mean, David Willis was was huge um, for me at the time because again we didn't have much. I mean, you you, you had the all right. You could walk from Ballybean to to the ice ball, which I did many many times. Um, but when you're logging a big hockey bag uh, with you and, and pushing that or carrying that from from Ballybean Estate the whole way up the Old Donald Road and into um, the ice ball and then having to do it back again, it, it was tough work. Um, I remember we, we we didn't steal it. We commandeered a uh, it was me and Jakey Norris. We commandeered a uh, uh, Wellworth's trolley um, and ended up throwing the gear into it and pushing it up the road. It wasn't easy either. But you talk about Bob and, and Davy Willis. Davy Willis was was absolutely huge for me. And I, I, again, it's one of those ones where right at the very early stages of playing hockey, Davy used to come to my house and and Donald and Billy Bean. Pick me up at like probably nine o'clock on a on a uh, training night. Take me to train and start at half ten, quarter eleven. You were on there until half twelve, um, and I was still at school. You know, I was I was late fourteen, early fifteen, um, getting ready for my, my GCSEs at that stage. And and all I wanted to do was skate. That's it. That's all I wanted to do. Um, and you know, Davy again picked me up. And without Davy and Bob and uh, BJ and and Joe McCulloch, John Gurley. There's so many people back then that that literally went out of their way to help me, and 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 it's sort of why I don't mind doing it for people now. You know, I'd, I'd like to think if somebody needed something, I'd, I'd be able to, and I could help them out of going through it. Um, but you know, without them, I I don't know what I would have done. I probably would have given it up to be honest. But um, yeah, it was it was absolutely huge to have those guys at that time. Um. Let him run about after me, and, and I don't want to say the word grooming, but you know they certainly looked after me, um, and, and I, I'm forever thankful for it. Um, I know you're always very modest, and you'll you'll probably answer this very magnanimously. Skating did it just come naturally? You know, the most important thing for me and a hockey player is their ability to skate. Players don't last long at the top level or any level unless they can move out there, and you know. You were a good skater, I remember watching you myself. So did that come naturally? Did any of those guys influence like techniques or did you have skating lessons or anything? Yeah, back um the the, the second age group went to Donald Boys uh and in third year uh they ended up uh, letting us go to the ice bowl for PE. Um and so you're you're getting an hour and a half, uh, getting up on the bus and, and then coming back down again for PE and, and that was one of the things as well. They did skating lessons. Phil Walsh was one of the guys that, again, I was, I was skating at this time, but it, it, I don't know how many times I've said to people, you so, even now, on a Sunday night, um, obviously, but not at the minute with the, the way the coronavirus is, is 
sweeping through the world. But uh, every Sunday night um, for the last few months again, I've, I've started to get back in the Donald Baseball. And there's so many new people that have come along in the last few years. They've got all the best of gear. Um, you know, they've got all the, the latest mod cons and, and just brilliant skates and spend a fortune on it. Um, but they can't skate. And it's imperative that when when you want to, if you want to play hockey, you know, you need to learn how to skate. It, you've, you've already touched on it there, Davey. It, you know, yeah, it's not cheap. It's probably 15 or, or 18 quid a lesson for 15 minutes, but it's absolutely worth it. And, and when I was at school, as I say, they did skating lessons, but it's just a matter of skating as much as you can and picking things up. And I was, I, I, I mean, I'd like to think I was a pretty good skater and um, I could look after myself as well. But uh, I was, I was really small up until probably about 16. Um, and I even, you know, coming back from the ice ball, I remember getting, getting my bag knocked in for the Ballybean Estate one night um, on a Saturday Friday night going home and, and, I got a proper kicking, like from people who lived in Ballybean Estate. Um, and then I ended up um, going back and <laughs> go back the next day. My brother, uh, I, I when I got back down home on the Friday, I, I, I came into the house and, and I had a bit of a, a black eye. And, and my mum thought I was beat up at the ice bowl. And I said, no, it wasn't the ice bowl. It was the Ballybean. And it was in the square when I get off the bus. And um, I don't want to name names, just but... Uh, um, I got I got a terrible beating, um, and again I was only fourteen, fifteen. Um, but the next night, as I say, when I told my mum on the Friday, the next night I, I I wasn't that smart, and I get off the bus at the same place at the Valley Bay Square, and just as I get off the bus, uh, I heard a wee horn and I looked behind the bus and there was this wee mini sitting there, my brother Mo, uh, Mo's eight years older than me, and he said, uh, he said, what happened to you? And, and I said, well, I was beat up last night. He says, right, we'll walk through the square. So I dandered through the square. Um, and he walked about 20, 30 feet behind me. And right enough, they're the same guy that beat me up the night before, started acting Billy Big Balls. And um, and he put me up against the, the chemist uh, wall again and was going to start punching me in motion. What do you think you're doing? Um, and he said, this has got to do with you. And, and he says, well, that's my kid brother. And I believe you're the same person that beat him up last night. And his face just dropped. Now, this guy was two years older than me. We went to the same school. He was in fifth year. I was in third year. And uh, and Mo said to me, he says, is that him? I said, yeah, that's him. He says, hit him. And I went, what? I says, hit him. And he says, I said, he'll get me in school again. He says, no, he won't. Hit him. It's me. Right, okay. And I punched him. And then I punched him again. And I just kept on punching him. And I knocked the bag right out of him. And then we got in the car and drove around. Found out where he lived, drove around to his house. My brother knocked on the door, um, and the, his dad came to the door and he said, um, "That's uh, he says you're, you give the name of the boy and he says yeah, um, I'm, I'm his dad yeah." He says he did that to my my wee kid brother last night, and he said all right okay, well what do you mean about? He says just letting you know he's laying around Ballybean Square. You might want to go around and pick him up. Um, and needless to say. He never came anywhere near me again in school. And, you know, sometimes, again, I'm not enhancing bullying in any way, shape or form. But sometimes, again, you have to stand up for yourself. And um, and with the help of siblings, that's exactly what I did. And to be honest, that's sort of the last time I was ever bullied and um, certainly taught me a good lesson. 
let's get back to the hockey. Great story, I know <laughs> that is. Can you remember the first time you got the call or who the coach was says, right, we've got a game this weekend, want you to play, you know, what it was feeling like leading up to the game or, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah, um, uh, again, played a couple of junior games, found it pretty easy. Um, and Joe McCulloch was our coach at the time. Joe was um, Canadian. His dad was born in Northern Ireland, but he was uh, he was brought up in Canada, moved to Northern Ireland, lived down in Lisburn, uh, neck of the woods, and, um, and Joe was a top, top player. I mean, he, he was everything you looked up to as, as a guy, that, you know, a kid just wanting to play hockey. He could skate, he could shoot, he, could, he was tough and... Um, had this big handlebar moustache um, at the time, but he was well, he was just unbelievable. And he said to me, he says, "Look, we've got a game this weekend. Do you want to play?" And I says, "Ah, yeah." I was only I was fifteen, and we were playing Banger at the time. Banger had a bang, believe it or not, people probably again don't remember. Banger had an ice rink, um, or when I say an ice rink, it was more like an ice cube. Um, really small. It's where the cinema um, is now, uh, Movie House Cinema and Banger, and I think it was Crystal's Arena. He called it. Um, and we played against Banger, and um, we beat them. Can't remember the score, but we did beat them, and I got ice time. And I remember the first. This is the first game I ever played, and uh, there was a guy called Lawrence Maxwell who played for them. And Max ended up going on coaching us with the Castlereagh Knights and um, and coaching us for playing in Scotland. And real, real God rest, I rest, rest in peace, Max. And um, he passed away a few years ago. But what a what a guy he was. But I remember him coming down. Um, the wing and I just hit him and he landed over the barrier and into the old penalty box um, again I was only 15, this guy's a grown man um, and I absolutely nailed him and even at that I mean, again, 15 years of age, my balls hadn't dropped out of his squeaky voice um, and he, he, I remember him sitting out of the penalty box, the whistle all went um, he's standing up in the penalty box and he said, what, what was that? And my wee squeaky voice said, that was me. <laughs> um, and from that stage on, I just sort of gained a load of confidence. And um, I knew that I could hit people. And that's sort of where my love for the physical side of the game picked up. Because, and again, I remember it as clear as day. It, it, um, it was probably one of the best hits I ever made. I <laughs> didn't get penalised for Do you remember... Like I remember watching you, and as you'd said earlier in the in the in the piece here, you know you, you could look after yourself. Can you remember the first time you dropped the gloves? Vaguely, um, it was we were playing uh, the game. There was an in-house league at that stage, um, and I was playing against uh, the Red Wings. And now the Red Wings, they had all the, the the local. I mean, all the boys that really could skate. You know, there was Clark Cunningham and his brother Warren. Uh, Big Garth Thompson, Mickey Gregson again, Mickey's no longer with us, Stu McMaster and all played for them. And it was the first time that my mum and dad and brother Mo had ever came to see me play him. And again, the Donald Ice Bowl was packed at the time. I mean, Dave, you'd, you'd been there on numerous occasions that, you know, we, we did bring a crowd in, like, but we were playing for the Lions um, and we played against the Red Wings, which was probably the two best teams at that stage. Again, the Red Wings were we're the, we're the better team, but the, the Lions always put a, a good opposition up against them. We had some really good players as well. A couple of Canadians. There was a guy called uh, Tapio who was Finnish, um, and uh, again, the local boys who, who played. And I'm standing on the ice, um, and there was a bit of a ruckus picked up, and Gareth Thompson 
big, his nickname is Gruff. Big Gruff. Just grabbed me. Now, again, Gruff is probably, I'd say he's probably five or six years older than me. Um, I was only 15 or 16 at the time. And um, he grabbed me and punched me. And sort of, you know, again, when you, when you don't see it coming, it doesn't make a difference who it is. Hitting you, you could be a guy that's four foot two hitting you, and I don't see it coming. It, you know, it, it makes you stumble. And it definitely did. It, it sort of rocked me. But I remember just sort of bouncing back up again and grabbing him. And as I grabbed him, I looked over his shoulder. And my brother Mo, for anybody that knows him, Mo's as mad as a box of frogs. Like, um, and he's halfway over the, the glass to get at Gruff on the ice. They get stuck into him. And I, I just sort of said, Mo, what are you doing? It's in the middle of just getting ready to have a fight. And I dropped my gloves. Gruff had hit me. I started to throw a few punches. Um, and again, Gruff was much, much bigger than me at this stage. But I, I thought it did all right. And my brother's got his leg over the plexiglass to come on to get stuck into Gruff. And, you know, you talk, you talk about fan participation. That was just taking it a wee bit too far. We see often on Twitter and Facebook, and, and you know a lot of these players that now play for the Junior Giants, and they have to go away to Scotland to um, play their trade. That's no different from you. That must have been hard back then. As you say, still at school at times, and even when you just left school, you know, those long, long weekends and long trips away. Yeah, well, I mean, again, I started with the Lions, um, and then the, the Red Wings had got started to play teams in Scotland, and they asked me to come and play for them, with Jackie Cash, Henry, and Ann Brannigan, um, and I said, yeah, yeah, I'd love to, and and, um, and again, again, I've already I've said on, on a couple of times before about Henry and Ann, um, I didn't appreciate their input, and Jackie as well, and then you're talking about you know, Stuarty, uh, Stuarty Barrett walks about with a mad, um, you know, uh, fancy dress, Jans stuff on and with a puck hat and what have you. Um, Stuarty was there at the time. He was, he was, uh, going out with Nancy Barrett, Nancy Cash at the time. And all those people again, Davey, you know, it's so important that, you know, what they did as volunteers of, of an ice hockey club is no different than what it is now. Without the volunteers, there isn't anything. And Henry and Anne, um, again, I've, I've told them this, um, you know, probably in the last 18 months or so. They were genuinely like my second mum and dad, and I honestly didn't appreciate it. None of us did. You know, their two sons, Chris and and, um, and Jamie, both played, uh, and that's obviously the main reason that they, you know, came along and and, and uh, did what they did. But without them, it, it's just it, it's pointless. Um, you know, those Scottish trips, especially as a kid early on, were, were really tough, as you say, going to school, you know, going away at the weekends, coming back late on a Sunday night, getting up early to go to school. And um, But the, the, the Bass Red Wings, or the Donald Red Wings at the time, uh, they had some really, really good players. And, and we, we, you know, we, we did well in that. that you're, you're talking about teams that, you know, Murrayfield, uh, Fife, uh, you, you know, Tayside Tigers, Dundee, Dundee Stars now. You know, all these teams had really good players as well, and and we ended up going across there and putting up a good battle a lot of times, and um, and being successful from from a, a team that with one ice rink on an island, uh, well, at that stage Northern Ireland was, you know, it wasn't too much, wasn't as easily accessible to get down to Dublin. It certainly wasn't as easy, you know, time wise. Um, but only having the one ice rink was was incredible, and so many players wanted to play. So. You talk about limited ice time now. It was even limited back then because there were so many people that wanted to play. But growing across to Scotland, absolutely. It's no different than what it is now. Um, you know, sometimes they didn't want to travel here. You're talking about the late 80s, early 90s. And, 
and we still had our troubles back then, you know, and um, there was a couple of stories which you could not tell on the podcast because uh, it's it, it just, the you know, they're <laughs> you, you find them hard to believe, but some of the things we get up to in Scotland, you're, they were just mental. Um, and again, if it wasn't for the support network of, of Jackie Cash, Nancy Cash, and, um, you know, Henry and Aunt Brannigan, you know, there would have been a lot of people ended up in a lot of trouble with the police. And and, uh, and that's why we're probably sort of banned from a lot of hotels, even to this day, um, in Glasgow and Edinburgh area. Let's... Um Let's let's. I, I know this story well. I've heard it many times from many different people, and so there's slightly different versions of it. But let's let's have a bit of a link with the Giants, and of course, all-time name goal scorer Colin Shields, whose dad at the time would have ran a team probably in the in the Paisley area, and uh, Paisley Parish, yeah, Paisley Parish. Pretty all-conquering Paisley Parish, and uh, once we're looking, was it the Grand Slam, or they were looking at a, a, a faultless season or something, and you boys from Northern Ireland turned up to spoil the party. Yeah, it was the Cassidy Knights at the time. Um, we uh, the, the Paisley Parks have sort of had a resurgence under Martin Shields, and, and uh, you know there's this young whippersnapper, 13, 14 years of age, Colin Shields, that thought he was a dog's balls, and um, and you know even back then he, he obviously uh, uh, had a lot of talent. He played at, at um, you know the BNL or, or the similar to what it is now BNL um, at 14 years of age and um, yeah we went into Paisley one night uh, they were unbeaten the whole season um, I'm pretty sure it was around about March time so it was coming to the end of the year that hammered us at Belfast um, they you know, hammered us when we played in Paisley at one stage and we got the uh, we got the Paisley um, and. I remember going into the locker room. The locker rooms were under the stands, and it was always cold. And um, and you know we 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 went out there, and we ended up beating them. And I mean they did. a guy called Mike Battens that played for him. I'm pretty sure he was their captain at the time. And Battens was a defenseman. And I'm not 100 percent sure how many goals he ended up that year, and and probably about 25 or 26 games or something. But it was over 100. Um. And he had an absolute bullet of a shot. And I mean the hardest slap shot I've ever stood in front of. He hit me that hard the first time I played him. He smashed my, my, my shin guard in half, right down the middle. Um, ended up having to get a new pair of shin pads for the next game. Uh, I just knew something wasn't right. And I felt that. And I had a bruise on my leg through the shin pad for probably four months. Um, and that, that's not an exaggeration. That guy really could shoot the puck. But we went into Paisley that night. Um, it was a Saturday. It was sold out. The place was absolutely bouncing. It's some really good players. Big John Kidd, who'd been about for a long time. Uh, Graham Garden, he was a wee dick. Um, he played with, I think he ended up at Nottingham Panthers for a couple of seasons as well. Uh, but Graham Garden was playing, and um, and that good goaltending. Uh, big Kenny Redman, a good friend of mine, was playing for them as well. And we beat them. We beat them in Paisley. And they did not take it well. I mean, the players, you know, they were raging. They were absolutely raging. But when we when we we were sort of partying a game, it, it was just a normal game. With a game the next day, we were playing uh, Dumfries the next day and Dumfries. And <laughs> about half an hour after the, the game's over, obviously you're getting all your gear and all together, and you're getting shard and changed and heading out to the bus. And when we got out to the bus in the back car park, every single window in the bus was smashed. Every one of them. It was something out of Slapshot. 
Um, and we had to drive. We had the, it was the, it was an Ulster bus, so we drove across from Scotland, sorry, from Belfast. Um, eventually got to Paisley, and we had to drive the whole way down uh, to Dumfries with every single window in the bus broke, every one of them. Um, and we had a <laughs> we had a we had a guy that played for us. This guy called Peter Campion. Peter was a minister. Um, uh, and he was the, the I think it was the Church of Ireland in on the Ballysullen Road, and Peter, um, let's just say he had a wee bit too much wine that night, um, and missed the ferry home the next morning. He had to he had to be back to take his sermon or take his his uh, church leaders church the next morning, and didn't wake up, uh, <laughs> missed the bus, missed the ferry. Um, and they ended up playing the next day in uh, in Dumfries when I I don't think I've ever seen so many guys so hungover um, playing a hockey match the next day. And we ended up beating uh, Dumfries the next day. It was a Sunday afternoon. Dumfries had only opened at this stage. I think it was 1993. Um, I was 19, 20 years of age. Um, and they had only opened, and we ended up going to play at Dumfries, sorry. And they, we got a penalty shot with about a minute and a half to go. Um, and Jim Graves is the coach, and he's pointing around the boys, you know, take a penalty shot. And they're all going, oh, no, I can't see. You can't even see in that. Jeff Brown Servette was there. Uh, Bill, um, oh, God, what's Bill's surname? I can't remember Bill's surname. Um, uh, he's going through a different page. Me, I'll take it. And he was ignoring me, and I, and I says, I'll take it. Um, and they ended up, you know, I just jumped on the ice, went and got the puck. Uh, skated down. We Gordy Langford was playing for them, um, on a stuck at top corner, and we ended up winning the game eight seven. So really good weekend. But Paisley and and the young Colin Chase at that stage, not too sure if he played in that game, but um, or you know, it was around about that time itself that he started to come to emergence, and well, we all know how that ended up for him. Even back then, shall we call them imports? The the the, the teams around in Dalby were blessed with a couple of wonder players who had like. Vasilenko and and you know you I know you'll come on to a lot more of them. There must have been some great stories from those Russian guys. Oh David, again, there, there's some of them are X-rated. Um, <laughs> there was Vasily Vasilenko. I I that that year you, you talk about with Paisley. Um, the following season I signed for Dumfries. Um, 21 years of age. Uh, that was their first year. Uh, playing at a, at a reasonable level, that Vasily Vasilenko, Dino Bobo was playing for them. Um, uh, Nikolai Ladijan, who's now a, a head scout for the Toronto Maple Leafs in the European leagues. Um, John Haig, Malcolm Bell, uh, Bernie McCrone played at one stage, and we got Langford and Goal. Some really, really decent players. And again, Dumfries wasn't known as a hockey town. You know, it was, um, it was always. Uh, you know, it's only 30 miles into Scotland from, from England and, um, you know, sort of down in the corner and really sort of forgot about. But it it was, yeah, there were some really, really good players. And Vasilenko played uh, that year in Dumfries and then um, I ended up coming back to play with the Castlereagh Knights for the next couple of seasons because we, we had talked, there was talk at that stage about going into the British League at a, at a semi-professional level. It took a bit longer than expected. We ended up playing 96, 97. Um, and 
unfortunately for me, I did my cruciate ligament um, at the end of the 95-96 season um, in a practice session, in a training session. So that carried all the way through the next year. We ended up playing our first pro game in Dundon Ice Bowl against the Whitley Berry Warriors, who didn't give us a chance. Uh, Vasilenko was playing for us. Igor Yurchenko, what a player he was. Um, another Russian guy played for Sokol Kiev, and as did Vasa. Um, uh, we had Dean Smith playing for us with a couple of English guys who played at a reasonable level. Um, we just signed a guy called Dean Russell Samways, who who was the the GB goaltender um, and the the league goaltender of the year the year before. Um, let's just say he, he didn't do it for us, but um, we we the, the imports again as they are now, with obviously a lot more were vitally important again because you're playing with guys like Vasa who was David I mean you've seen him playing the guy was just so skillful so quick he had an absolute bullet of a shot um, you know the Russian players yeah we, we know they didn't like the physicality side of things but that's where we stepped up you know you, you hit the Russians you're getting empty that's it um, and you know Vasa for me was probably one of the better players I ever played with he was just Absolutely insane, and even even playing for us, and and we we struggled that year. We really struggled, you know. Again, you're you're talking about. I didn't I didn't get a game until mid October. Um, probably come back a wee bit too early and what a shoot of, but uh, you know, thoroughly thoroughly enjoyable year. Didn't end up again. We we ended up budgeting, which was backed by the Don Lesbon Castlereagh Council at the time, and uh, let's just say the management didn't do a great job with the funds because they spent two years money in one year um, and you know the housing you, you, the housing for uh, the the guys that came into play both the, the English fellas Scottish and and, uh, and the Russians what have you with a couple of Canadians as well um, they, they ended up putting them all up in Vanville there which is literally the nearest housing that you can get to Dundonald Ice Bowl at uh, Tully Carnet site um, and Let's just say that we had some really good nights in there um, on uh, months, well, especially Mondays and Tuesdays, which would have been the days off. There's one story that I have to ask you to tell people, like I've heard this a, a whole load of times. The Russians, I think it's a bit stereotypical to say they like the vodka. Vasa and these boys definitely did. But they were always at training, never missed, apart from once. David, that was that's just... <laughs> It's mental. Um, again, they could drink vodka like I drank water. It was unbelievable. Um, and again, they just they turned up and you you with Vasilenko with Igor Yuchenko, um, and then with Jason Stewart and Kevin Doherty, who uh, two Canadian boys, um, uh, and they let's just say like they they like the drink as well. But there was one day, uh, it was a Tuesday morning. We trained on a Tuesday morning at the Donald Ice Bowl, um, and then we trained on a Wednesday afternoon, uh, Thursday morning and Thursday night, um, and then played uh, mostly Saturday, Sunday, but we just skated on a Friday morning. But it was this Tuesday morning. Now, this is, this is probably, about, um, probably about January, maybe slightly after, maybe, maybe towards the end of January, early February. And I had just been named captain because we'd lost Mark Slater, um, who started the season as captain. And uh, Jim Graves, who's the coach, uh, we, we were all on, you know, getting ready for practice. But this day, I wasn't practicing. 
it was um, I was just turned up. I was I had a part time job at the time and I had to go to work, so um, I just turned up to tell Jim that I couldn't. He says, "You seen the Russians?" And I go, "No." He said, "You wouldn't do me a favour and, and go and see if you can find them." Which everybody else is here can't find the Russians, and I'm going, "All right, okay, get on." So I went up the van, fell, knocked the door, no answer, knocked the door, nothing. Uh, walked around the back, knocked the door, nothing. Looked down through the window, seen a couple of pairs of legs lying on the floor. I'm sitting going, all right. Um, now, don't forget, this is 1996, 97. There wasn't that many mobile phones about, um, and if there were about, we couldn't afford them. So I'm trying to, I'm kicking the door, trying to get, you know, see if these guys are awakening. Um, nothing. And at this stage, I'm thinking the worst, like I'm sitting thinking something's happened to them. So, where the back door was, you could see right through to the front, and I'm again I'm kicking them like mad to try and get this, you know, get their attention. Um, and eventually, I just sort of seen uh, Igor sort of rise round. And as I see, as I'm looking at Igor, I look above him, and I see Jim Graves' car driving into the car park through the back window and through the front window, and I'm sitting going, <laughs> so. At this stage, I'm just going, oh, bollocks, I have to get out of it. And I literally just run, jumped. I've never scaled a fence as quick in my life. Jumped over the back fence. I didn't want to tighten on the on the boys, like, um, like even I'm doing it 23 years later. But um, they, they, they were absolutely rode off on vodka. And, you know, they, they came down to training the next morning, like nothing happened. And you're sitting going, what happened? And just, uh, I didn't work feeling too good. Um, just sorry for missed training. Couldn't contact you. And Davey, it was the funniest thing because the next morning they never missed an hour training session the rest of the year. And that day, I mean, obviously we knew they were going to be off working on a Tuesday or didn't come training, but they were absolutely rode off. And you wouldn't have thought so the next morning when they come into training on, on the uh, on the Wednesday lunchtime. Sorry, it was just insane. We're in the late nineteen nineties now, down in the Titanic quarter, as it, it probably wasn't called then, but uh, down in the Titanic quarter, this building's starting to spring out of the ground with the the Northern Ireland's Odyssey project it was going to be the Odyssey Arena, and there's an ice rink being built in it, and obviously there's a, a hockey team going to come to it. Blighted by injury at that stage at the end of the late nineties, but still must have harboured hopes of, of being a Belfast giant. And how close did you come? Well, I agreed to say um, it was. You, you talk about obviously our season started in, in well 2000, but uh, the the team started to come into it in 1999. But Bob Zeller, who was um, the owner at the time, and he was the guy who was bringing the, the Giants to Belfast and then starting them up. I met with Bob Zeller and the coach who was going to. Uh, be the head coach, and, and obviously that changed with, with the emergence of Dave Whistle being successful at Bracknell. But it was a guy called Joe Stephan, and Joe was at Sly at this stage, Sly Jets, um, and they came over to meet, uh, have a look around in Donald. They spoke to Jim Graves, and Jim Graves had put my name forward as, um, well, probably the best player in Belfast at this stage. Um, not probably, I was the best player in Belfast. Um, but <laughs> Sorry for being modest, David. But um, we met him at the uh, David Lloyd Centre. Uh, David Lloyd Centre was just open, not not long anyway. And uh, we they took us for lunch at David Lloyd Centre, and he told us what was going to happen. Uh, Jim Graves obviously had agreed to get a job at this stage, um, and Bob Zeller was uh, was 
you know, he said, yeah, we, you know, we want to, we've seen, we've heard about your plan and we want to get uh, a better representation from Northern Ireland and blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I was, I'd literally, I was a month short of being, of, my mar- of getting married at that stage. And I said, yeah, you know, I really want to be involved. I want to play. Um, I think it'd be fantastic, blah, blah, blah. So I, I played on. Castlereagh, we were playing at the time and we are playing back and forth to Scotland every weekend and, and I was I was trying to get in shape or the best shape I could and and then we get to about eight months before um the Pucks being drops was about March time. Um Puck being dropped in Dundonald or sorry, the SSA Arena Odyssey Arena at that stage. And Bob Zeller met with us again and did their offices there were down at um the gasworks. And um he said, Look, uh, change of plan, we're not gonna play anybody from Northern Ireland. We're just gonna go with Canadians and Americans. And that sort of just went, man, okay. And and I wrapped it up. I just stopped playing at that stage. Um, it was definitely something that back then I would have absolutely loved the opportunity to play. And to be honest, the ISL, you know, there's some really, really top, top players that have come into the country, not just Northern Ireland and, and, and the Belfast Giants, but throughout the league. Um, but I reckon, I, I, I genuinely believe that I could have, could have done something in that league. And then, as I said, it's, it's you know when you take a couple of years off, it, they did held tryout sessions. Um, would have been two th- just for the elite league seasons. Um, a couple of years later, and I went up, but to be honest, I didn't really harbour much hope about it. Again, I was, I was probably touching thirty at this stage, and um, and I went up, had a bit of crack, um, did a training session. It was an open training session, so I mean, Dave Whistle was standing up and above it, and I think Stewie was there as well at this stage. Um, and again, Dave Whistle, when Dave Whistle had come in uh, to Belfast around about June time before the Giants had started, he had, he had seen me playing and he knew what I could do, but Bob Zeller had made the decision that there wasn't going to be any Northern Ireland representation and that sort of was an absolute gut-wrenching moment and and something that, if, if it's the only, it's sort of the only regret that I have that I never got a chance to play for Belfast Giants. Podcast Network.